All right, good evening. Tonight we're learning Maseches Chagiga Daf Yotes. Nothing makes someone who teaches Daf Yomi happier than seeing an Ahmed Bey's like Yotes and Bey's. It's like 10 lines. Oh, it's mamish. Masak Midvash Anofes Tufim. It's, uh, yeah. Of course, you recognize that means that some of the concepts we're learning, we're totally not going to understand because if you look at the Tosfusim on this page, they're, they're monsters and they require months of research and work, but we're going to do it in the next 25 minutes. So we're starting at the top of Yud Testament, Allah, at the top line. Yesterday, we saw a shita that had indicated that if a person washes uh, washes their hands for chulen, that you don't have to have any particular kavana. So on the top line of your testament, off, the Gemara says, timra, for where can we say, how do we know, to chulen lo bo kavana, that chulen doesn't require kavana when you wash your hands. So this, the Gemara gives a, a fascinating answer. The Tznan, we have a Mishnah. The Mishnah writes, Gal shenitla, let's say that there's a wave that disconnects itself from, uh, from the ocean. So the waves are coming in, and this wave is coming in. It's not not dangerous; just pops out, right? But it's not going to kill you. It's just going to cover you in water. So galshanit lash. If the wave separates itself from the water, and there is forty saw in that the of the volume of water, there's forty saw. And a person is lying on the beach, minding his own business. All this water comes down. He happened to have been tummy, and the kalim with him happened to also be tamim. All of a sudden, everything is tahor. He didn't have one machshav in his head, nothing at all. Where do we see from here? Oh, it's obvious that by chulin. You don't need to have any grace of machshavas. It's all simple. Katani adam dumila kalim. It seems de kalim. It seems to be that there is a comparison between the human being and the kalim. Ma kalim de lo Clearly, the kalim can't have any intent. Af adam de lo It must therefore be that a man doesn't have to have kavan in order to become tahor for eating chulim. But the Gemara doesn't like this. Six lines down, five lines down. I mean, how do you know that this is true? Dilma, maybe the guy was sitting there in order to get Tahar. Dilma, he's sitting there watching these guys surf. And he's like, perfect. Some of these waves will be great. I'm Tame. Let the water hit me in the head. I'm lying on a, on a beach chair. Everything is going to be great. So maybe maybe we're Mitzapeh. And not only that, but the comparison should be the opposite. Not Adam to Kalim, but the Kalim Dumya to Adam. My Adam Dvar Kavana, you need to have Kavana. Therefore, you also have to have Kavana for Kalim. So we don't, we tried to bring a ride from the Mishnah of Galha Nitlash of when the wave uh, separates itself from the water, but we're not able to learn anything from there because there's two ways to understand it as a almost as a parenthetical question the gemara says with the havamina that you had if in fact you're sitting there waiting my that that i don't need a mishnah for that it's basically going to the mikvah right i'm lying down i'm waiting for water to be poured over me that's a mikvah what are you what are you worried about that's a mikvah so why what were, what's the chedesh you would have taught me had that been the way to read the mishnah so it says the gemara i might have thought that a person is not allowed to go to the mikvah that way. Why not? Ligzor, we should restrict him from doing so because Dilma Because maybe he would equate what's happening here, a wave separating itself from the ocean and pouring on him, to a stream of rain that's pouring off of the, your broken gutter at the top of the house. Torrential rains, and literally just one stream of 40 sub water comes off of your roof. So... They, they seem very similar. The case of the wave coming off of the ocean and the chardal is the gutter that's just literally dumping water on you. They're not the same. So we might have thought that because of the chardal is shel gishamim that we would have said that you're not allowed to wait for the wave to fall on you. The cases are too similar and only one of them works. Inami and other possibilities, nigs or roshana to keep it, that maybe we would have said <clears throat> that we should restrict the possibility of waiting for that wave to hit you because 
there's a difference between the wave hitting you when you're on the ground, the Roshan, the head of the wave, the, 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 the front part of the wave that actually touches you, versus the Kipin, which is the dome of the wave while it's still in the air. What the Mishnah would come to teach us is that there is no problem at all with standing there waiting for the wave to hit you. Uh, it would per perfectly make you tahor, provided that the wave had 40 saw in it and you were only hit by the first part of the wave. Well, so, if you're standing on the ground, right, then you're not in the water. You're going to be covered by the water. That is a very reasonable question, and it's going to be even more reasonable later. And from the Gemara, it seems uh, that you don't need it. Okay. Now, it's not the way that we practice. So, like, we have mikvah attendants when women go to the mikvah to ensure that their whole body is submerged. They could, it's tanua, they go into the water, they're not, but, and they just make sure that their hair is there. And for women who have long hair, a woman will, like, kind of bring all of her hair down. Sometimes you see like the men with the long payas doing the same thing. You just got to get all the payas and you got to bring it under the water. So they have to make sure that happens too. So that we're very, very mocked on that. However, we'll see a havamin at the Gemara, in the Gemara, that if my feet are in the mikvah and my hair is still wet and I put something on my hair, that that could be matah or something. It's like Gemara's havamin, crazy idea. Yeah. Based on principles from Maseches Erevin and Maseches Shabbos, Gud Asik and Gud Achis, we'll get there at the bottom of the page. All right, so then the Gemara says, uh, based on the last line we just said, so hold on one second. If the front of the wave hits you, so then you're Tahor. But if the middle of the wave hits you, you're not Tahor. The Roshan hits you, you're fine. The Kipinat, Minat Timra, we're 12 lines down or so, you test them at Allah. Minat Timra, how do we know from where do we say, Dilomat Bilan Bekipin, that you're not allowed to tovel something in a wave? Let's say you're holding a spoon in your hand and you see a huge wave just literally going over your head. You take the spoon, you raise it up straight into the water. Perfect. And you're done. Great. Start eating. As long as it's Ray Labila, whatever. I'll assume that you did. It doesn't matter. Your hands are wet. Your hands are wet. You have to assume the water can get there. So the Gemara says that's not allowed. It has to be only the Roshan. It has to be the front waters of the wave that hit it and not the dome of the water, the arc of the water. So how do we know that that's true? Says the Gemara, Titania, Matbilin Beroshan. You're allowed to use the end of a wave for Tvila, Vein Matbilin Bekipin. But you're not allowed to use the dome of the wave, the center part of the wave. That's not allowed. Why? You're not allowed to total things in the air. Okay, I, may, I guess I kind of hear that. I think uh, Texas question is still perfectly valid. I'm lying down on a beach chair. All of a sudden the wave comes, you're like, I'm tummy anyways, this is perfect and it's going to be refreshing. And all of a sudden that counts. They have to dump that amount of water on you. So I could bring a riot from one other place. We know that if a person- You're not immersed in a body of water. Doesn't matter. There's no way if you're pouring water on someone that their whole body is surrounded by water at all. That's impossible. If you're lying, even if you're standing up perfectly, if you're floating, it doesn't matter. There's no way you could dump a bucket of 40 sub water on someone and every part of their body is covered at one time. It's impossible. The Gemara is not even recommending that. It's just impossible. We just assume that all the water was poured on you. So we do have this in one place, and that is that when there is a lack of mikvah, you are allowed to utilize a system called Tisha Kaben Shalmaim, where you pour nine kav of water. So I, I don't remember how many gallons it is, but I did the math once. So like, if you have a 2.5 gallon per minute shower head, I, I can't remember all the calculations, but it's a, there's a cheshben. You can stand under the shower for a few minutes. Are you ever immersed in a shower and water your whole body? One second, never. It's impossible. That's called a bathtub, and that's not where you are. But if you pour Tisha Kav and Shalmayim, then you're still tired. So I'm, I'm assuming the mechanics here are similar to that than, this, than they are to a mikvah. So let's continue. The, you go, yeah. How does this... Uh, 
So the measurement is that if you have a rectangular shape filled with water, the cubic size of that would be one ama by one ama by three amas. So let's turn that into, into modern math. It's one and a half feet by one and a half feet by four and a half feet. So that cubic number of feet will translate into water and that will yield how many gallons of water is. But I don't know the answer to the question. I'm sure you can. I have, I have every ounce of faith in you, Dad. And I can do it without a calculator. I know. Anyways, our first answer, our first answer is, <laughs> so I love it. My dad celebrated his 78th birthday yesterday. Baruch Hashem. Happy birthday. Yesterday was the day. So says the Gemara, we don't have an answer to our starting question. We had asked about chulim below kavana, but we rejected our first response. So let's try another one. Ella, see this Gemara, Ella, is confusing because you don't know what the Ella is going on. So, so I actually write in my Gemara, when there are two answers, I write A1 and A2. I have an A2 here because this is not, it's not part of the flow. It's actually going back to our initial question. We had said, how do you know that chulim doesn't require kavana? Ella mehad, it's not me know from here. Peros shenaflu lesoch amas If there are fruits that fall into uh, some water, upashat, uh, and a person extends their hands and their hands are tummy and they grab onto the fruit that's in the water. So it says the Gemara two things. Yodav tahoros, the guy who put his hand inside the water, his hands are tahor, no kavana, just took his hand and he didn't want to, get, he just wanted to grab the apple. That was it. So yodav tahoros and uperos enan bechiyutan. Uh, this is something we learned about a while ago. The principle of kiyutan in halacha is that a fruit can only transfer tuma when it has the liquid of yad shachat dam on them. It's only sub, it's only possible. It's only susceptible to tuma if the fruit is wet. However, it has to be biratzon bailim. It has to be that I want tuma to transfer or that I want it to be wet. So therefore, the guy who dropped the apple into the aqueduct, he did not want that to happen. So I take my tummy hands, I stick it in the water, my hands become tahor instantly, but I pick up the fruit, which it's not even halachically susceptible to tumah because it wasn't bedas bailim. So we learn from here, from this brysa, we're not done with the brysa yet, but the brysa clearly indicates that your hands can become tahor even without kavana. That's what the Gemara says. Let's finish the, what did I say? We're not talking about ownership. We're talking about susceptibility to tumor. So if, if there's no bowel, then how? I'm the bowel. I just dropped it. Still your apple. Still my apple. You don't get you don't get my apple because I dropped it. I just dropped it in water. I then a person whose tummy touches it doesn't matter. It has to be bechiyutan. It has to be that it was placed there. Yeah. So then the brisa continues. If he specifically had intention that he wanted to wash his hands, then yadav tahoros. Then yes, his hands are, are going to be tar. Viha peros If he wanted them to be there, he want then great. And then then then, then, then yes, vechiyutan applies. Anyways, this brisa gives us the answer to our question, which is uh, clearly the case that when one washes their hands for the sake of eating chulin, and they do so with no intentions, the halacha is that it counts. The Gemara has a problem with this. We're a third of the way down in your Testament, Aleph. Eisve Raba l'Rav Nachman. Hatovel l'chulin v'huchzach l'chulin aser l'maiser. We said in our Mishnah that one who washes their hands to eat chulin, then their hands are kosher for chulin. However, they're not allowed to eat maiser, which is the next level of halachic status of tahara. So then the Gemara says as follows. In, lo lo. Only if he actually does the act of washing his hands does he earn the status to eat chulin. That implies that you need to have 
have kavana, and that's against the whole principle that we just said that you can wash your hands by accident and then they're still tar. Says the Gemara, Hachi Kamar. The Gemara is not saying that you have to wash your hands with kavana. Just afal Even if you specifically articulated that you wanted it to be for chulin, that's uh, that's It's still going to be aser for eating meiser. In other words, for meiser. You, you, for chulin, you don't have to wash your hands with kavana. You can just wash your hands and they're going to be kosher. But for meiser, even if you went the extra mile, which was unnecessary, and said, I'm washing my hands to eat chulin properly, that still doesn't count for meiser. So that, that question is asked and answered. And therefore, we still have our response that washing hands for chulin without kavana still works. The Gemara asks another question. Eisve, taval velo if a person washed their hands, but they had no intent whatsoever, ki'ilu lo taval. It's as if they didn't wash their hands at all. My love, is it not the case, ki'ilu lo taval klal, that really, it's as if you didn't wash your hands at all. And therefore, even for chulin, it would not work, says the Gemara, halfway down low, ki'ilu lo taval abal taval It's just, it's just to say that you really have to wash your hands. It just can be even without kavana. So now this was a conversation that was happening between Rabbah and Rav Nachman. Husava, Rav Nachman thought that when Rabbah was giving his answer, that Dachi Kamadchile, he was just brushing him away with quick answers, but really he didn't believe in what he was saying to be true. So Nafak, Dak the Ashkach, he went out and he searched and he found the Mishnah, a Brisa. What did the Brisa say to Tanya? Taval if a person washed their hands with no kavana at all, So now it's exceedingly clear. We have a, this, this part of the Gemara is now over. We're going to still talk about a similar topic, but we asked and answered a question so far. Here's the short version of the last 30 lines. How do we know that if a person washes their hands for chulin without kavana that it works? And the short answer is that we have brises that seem to agree to it. Good, let's continue. The Gemara says, Amr Lazar, Taval Allah. A person goes into the mikvah, and then Allah, they exit the mikvah. Okay. Then, Machzik Atma Lechol After, follow the flow. He goes into the mikvah, he comes out of the mikvah. Now that he's out of the mikvah, he can say, I would like to be Tahor for X. Which is weird, because he's out of the mikvah now. So we all would have thought, like, if you have to go to a mikvah with specific intent to eat, uh, you know, to eat... Uh, Kodesh, or to touch the Mechatas. You have to have specific Kavana. You can't just jump into the Mikvah. Here the Gemara is saying you can have the, the, kav- the Kavana afterwards. So Mesve, the Gemara asks on this, Odehu raglo achas if he still has one of his legs in the water, and he had Kavana for something that was a low level of Tuma, such as Meisr Shani, a low level of Kedusha, then, with your legs still in the water, then you're still allowed to increase your uh, what your focus is. If you start with Meisr Shani, right where you got one leg in the water, okay, fine, but I want it to be higher, I want it to be for Tuma. No problem, that's allowed. But Allah, once you're totally out of the water, my once you're out of the water, then you can't make any changes to your kavana. You're done. you're done. And that makes sense. So says the Gemara, doesn't that mean that if you do something after you're out of the water, it doesn't work at all? Says the Gemara, no. Here's the right way to understand it. Odehu, if you're still in the water, even if you already stipulated one type of kavana, you can change to another. Allah, if you came out of the water already, so imlo hochzak machzik, then if you didn't make any uh, declarations, then you can make one now. However, but once you did make a declaration, then you cannot change it. So these are just some of the subtleties of the halachos. And the Gemara asks on this that we just learned, man tana odehu raglo achas who was the one who stated the opinion 
that when you're when you have one leg in the water that you're that you have more latitude. So it says the Gemara, Amara Pedas, Amara Yehudahi, Amara Pedas, Rav Pedas says that it is the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. Let's see what this Mishnah has to say. It's going to carry us toward the end of the page. The Mishnah says as follows: It's non you have a mikvah that has to the drop to the milliliter exactly 40 so what happens when you go to the mikvah you come out wet oh so says the gemara you have exactly 40 so and one person goes into the mikvah followed by another who's kosher and who's not so says the gemara the first guy, as long as he doesn't go in like cannonball style and all the water's still there, no problem. You are tower because you benefited from 40 sa. But when he gets out of the water, now there's 39.999 whatever left because he took out a few droplets of water. That makes sense. There's only 40 sa. 40 sa is the minimum. Fine. And Amarev, that was a Tanakama. And Amarev, Yehuda, it depends. Where do we see our Shita that if your feet are in the water, it matters? Right here. If when the second guy was in the mikvah, the first guy's feet were still in the water, so then why does this work? So this is a principle that we learned about called good achis mechitzta. And that means that we assume that the wall will drop down. The same halachic rule applies by water. So let's say that I'm person number one. I go to the mikvah. The mikvah was exactly 40 saw. I have five milliliters of water in an aggregate on my body, and therefore the mikvah has less than 40 saw. But my feet are still in the water. Halachically speaking, good achis, we assume the water that's on your body is in the, in the mikvah itself. And therefore, the person who is shani, the second person who goes to the mikvah, still kosher. An unbelievable idea, especially considering that the hasha'ara 40 saw is only a dinder abanan. We know that there. If my feet are, in, I'm on the top stair, but my feet are in the water, and I have a small amount of just, you know, whatever, some water that's kind of absorbed onto my body, um, and I, I'm stepping with my feet in the mikvah. Guy number two jumps in, even though the body of water itself has 39.9 whatever saw, but because that 0.01 or 0.1 that I have on my body is connected through my feet and through the water, good to go. Okay, that's what the Gemara says. That's the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, we know that there is such an idea that when a person is standing in the water, that he can bring the water on his body back into the water, three-fourths of the way down. Amar of Nachman, this machlokes that we just saw between the Tanakam and Rabbi Yehuda, Amar of Nachman, Amar Rabba Baravua. Machlokes b'maylos terabonon. That's only true when we're talking about levels of impurity that are rabbinic in nature. Aval mituma letahara. But going from that which is tamim midoraisa to that which is tahar midoraisa, divrei hakol hasheni tamim. Everyone agrees that when it comes to dinei doraisa, that the second person will still be tamay. That is the Tanakama's opinion behind the Rav Pidas. That is how Rav Pidas understood that shita of the Rabbanon. Not the shita of Rabbi, Rabbi Huda, but the shita of the Rabbanon. And Ika de Amre, some say a qualification on how to understand this machlokas. Some say that the machlokas we saw between the Tanakama and Rabbi Huda should be qualified as follows. Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Rabba Baravu, a machlokas is only on the Doraisa level mitum of Itara. Aval b'maylos der Rabbanon, but when it comes to rabbinic, to rabbinic levels of Tuma, then everyone agrees that the uh, that there would be no problem at all because it's only quote unquote it's only derabonon and therefore we would say even the second person is taharu pliga pedas this doesn't work with pedas's understanding of the brisa because nobody in the brisa holds that way. Next, Amar Ula, 
Okay, this is a brilliant question based on some of the principles we've learned today. And this was what I was saying before about if, if my feet are in the water and I put a piece of metal thing to tovel on my hair and my hair is wet. Let's see how this works out. Amar Ula, to tovel needles that became tame with sinorios. Rashi says these are very small forks that were used to shape out gold. Uh, so that's what they were very small forks. And to put them berosho shall rishon. Remember our case. I'm the first person in the mikvah and the first person out, but I keep my feet in the top and the top stair in the water. And that makes sure that all the water on my body is part of the added mass of, of water in the, in the mikvah. Do we say good achis isle le Rabbi Huda? The Rabbi Huda, when he agrees to this principle of good achis, that he only holds of good achis, um, but good asik lesle, but the water doesn't go up. What does that mean? It means that I need the water to go up to my head, halachically speaking, because I have sitting on top of my head, I have a the little fork that's used for gold. It's touching my hair. No kippa, no chatzitza. It's just touching my hair right here. And it's sitting there. Do we say that the water goes up from your feet? We know you said it goes down. Oh, dilma, no. Good asik nami isle. Or maybe we would say that we have good achis and good asik, that the water goes up and the water goes down. So the Gemara says, we already have an answer to that. Four lines from the bottom. Amarle tani tuha. We already have a source in the Tanaim that speaks about this. How so? You have a nachal, it's kind of on a slope, and there's three cutouts in the, uh, in the slope of the mountain. There's an upper hole, a lower hole, and there is a middle, middle height hole on the slope of the mountain. The lower, uh, the lower cutout in the mountain and the higher cutout in the mountain shall esrim esrim so. Those two, they each have only a total of 20 sa, not kosher for the mikvah. But the middle one, Taka, does have 40 sa. So you can definitely go through the, to the middle one, that's for sure. It's the right size, requisite shear. Now there is a constant flow of water from the upper to the middle to the lower. So all the waters are technically connected. What's the din? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Meir Haya Omer, Matbil Ba'el Yonah. Okay, let's remember the flow. In the upper pool, there's only 20 sa, but there is a stream of water that constantly drips out that connects it to the middle lower pool that has 40 sa. What did Rameir just say? You can go into the upper mikvah. Aye, there's only 20 units of water. Doesn't matter. Water goes up. Therefore, what's the conclusion? That if my feet are in the mikvah and I have a fork on my head, no problem. It is now tower, even if it was tummy before. Because we see from here, you're in a mikvah that's too small. By the way, we don't even assume halachically that you can fit a body in that volume of water. 20 sa, think about the shape of this. It's tiny. If you only have 20 sa, it, it's 0.75 of a foot by 0.75 of a foot by 2.25 feet. You would have to be a, a toddler to fit in there. It's not even possible. And we don't care because you don't have to be covered in water. We just need the halachic principle of good ach, uh, asik, which one I keep like saying, asik. We need the one of good asik that my feet are, are submerged in the water and my hair is still wet and therefore good asik and therefore everything is gonna be tahor. So we see that this idea actually works because we said that you can go into the upper mikvah, even though it was only 20 sa, because there's a chardalis shalmayim, because there's a stream of water that connects the two. I says the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda didn't say that. The Tanya, we have another Brisa that frames this out slightly differently. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, turning to the top of your Testament base, Meir Haya Omer, Matbil Ba'elyona, only Rabbi Meir said that. Va'ani Omer, Rabbi Yehuda argues and says, no, Va'ani Omer, Betachtona, Velo Ba'elyona. 
No, I only hold of good achis. You can only go in the lower mikvah that's connected to the upper mikvah, but I cannot allow you to go into the upper mikvah. That's not allowed. And uh, And what would that mean for our case? We wanted to know, does Rav, Rav, does Rav Yehuda hold good achis? Just like, does Rav, 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 does Rav Yehuda hold of good asik just like he holds of good achis? And the answer is no, he doesn't according to this price. This price seems to say that water doesn't go up. And that's how the Gemara concludes. If you have a brisa that goes against my quoting of the Mishnah, then you are correct and I am incorrect. So we reject that possibility. And therefore we would assume that no, you cannot put the little fork on top of your head while your feet are in the mikvah. If anybody asks what we learned about tonight, you can say, can you put a fork on top of your head while your feet are in the mikvah while the other guys in the mikvah watching? This is what we learned about tonight. And halacha is that it's not allowed. It doesn't work. It has to be submerged in the water. Maybe that's the where we get the submerging in mikvahs. It could be from here. I don't know. I have no idea. Next. We had said that if a person goes into the mikvah for chulin, and that was their intentions, let's see what this is like. If we look back in the Mishnah that we learned on Yudches Samad Beis, so that Mishnah indicated that there's a difference between chulin and Maiser, and the Mishnah said it explicitly on the top line. It says, Very clear distinctions says the Gemara, but wait a second, in the second part of the Gemara, when we went through all of the clothing that I might wear, but then for the next level of Kedusha, it would be treated as Tumas Medras. What did we say? Big day Medras Prushin. Big day Prushin Medras Truma. What's missing? Meiser Sheni. So the case of Meiser Sheni, the level of Tahara of Meiser Sheni is missing. In the Reisha of the Mishnah, our lowest level is Chulin. And then it goes to Meiser Sheni, and then it goes to Chuma. But in the Seif of the Mishnah, it skips Meiser Sheni. It just goes straight from Chulin to Chuma. So it says the Gemara, maybe we should therefore assume that, uh, that our Mishnah is not like that, because it doesn't seem to agree with the principle of separating between Chulin and Meiser. Says the Gemara, Asan the Reb Meir, to Amar Chulin Meiser, who this seems to be like the opinion of Rav Meir, that really Chulin and Maiser are only, uh, are, are halachically the same, that there's no difference in, in how they need to be treated. What that then means, though, says the Gemara, is that Reisha Rabbonin v'seifa Rav Meir. The Reisha, the beginning of the, of the Mishnah, which does distinguish between Chulin and Maiser Sheni, that's the sheet of the Rabbonin. And then that would then leave the Seifa, which doesn't distinguish between Chulin and Maiser Sheni, to be the sheet of Rav Meir. And the Gemara doesn't like when we have Mishnahs that are partially authored by one and partially authored by the other. So really, the way this Gemara should be read is Reisha Rabbonin v'seifa Rav Meir would be really allow for that distinction, that there's different authorship halfway through a Mishnah, says the Gemara. Sometimes it's true, five lines from the bottom in. Reisha Rabban and Resefer Rav Meir. Ravacha Barada Masni La Masni La Chamesh Malos. Ravacha Barada had a different version of our Mishnah, and in the Sefa he didn't have four levels. He had Chamesh Malos. He had five levels, adding in a distinction for Meiser Sheni, and therefore Rumukila Kula Kirabban, and that fits perfectly like the rabbis. But again, that required an editing of the Mishnah. Last little sugya for the night. Let's uh, let's keep going. Amar Rav Mari Shemami. Now, what can we learn from all that we've learned already tonight? We learned that there are many layers. We started with Chulin, we went to Meister Sheni, and then to Truma, and then we said we spoke about Kodesh, and then we spoke about Chatas, those five levels. What if I am Chulin, I'm eating Chulin, but I treated them Altaras Kodesh? I treated them with the level of sanctity that Kodesh requires. Can I then eat Kodesh? So says the Gemara, Kodesh, Tamo. Yeah, you're good to go. You treated it like Kodesh. How do we know? Mimai, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, because we don't see a brisa that tells us that it's forbidden. We don't see that this level, that this separation of Tara is any different than anything else. Says the Gemara, no. Maybe the reason why 
we don't have a case of Chulin Shnaswa Tarasa Kodesh is because the Dilma Haidilok Tani Maila, why we didn't specifically mention this separation between Chulin and um, Kodesh is because the Idamula Chuma, if you wanted to compare it to Chuma, we already had the case of Chuma, Hatani Chuma. And if you wanted to compare it to Chulin, Hatani Luchulin, we already taught that case. So there's really nothing to compare it to. It's not. After all, we have this idea. We, it was already taught somewhere else. Chulin Shnaswa Tarasa Kodesh Arein Kechulin, Rabbi Lazar Rib Sadako Kechuma. So that answer of saying that this case wasn't articulated in the Mishnah is not a good answer. Therefore, the Gemara says we, we learn it from the end of the Mishnah that we learned yesterday. Elami Seifa. What did we learn in the Seifa of the Mishnah? We learned a couple of stories. Rabbi Yossi, sorry, that's not correct. Yossi ben Yoezer haya He was the most pious of the Kohanim. His, his handkerchief was treated as medras the Kodesh. And Yochanan ben Gudgida haya ochel al tarasa Kodesh kol yamam. He treated everything on the level of tarasa Kodesh. What was his limitations? And v'haisa mitpachto medras lechatas. So from going from level four to five, that's not allowed. What does the Gemara infer from here? Lechatas in lekodesh lo. His only limitation is on the fifth level of tuma, the fifth level of tahara. But when it comes to kodesh, he's not restricted. Alma, that if a person does treat their kodesh like chulen, sorry, the other way, if a person treats their chulen like kodesh, and that's how we understood the opinion of Yochanan ben Gudgida, that he, he did exactly what the Gemara was, was saying on the bottom. The line on Yud Testament base, Yud Testament base, two lines from the bottom, where if Murray said, we learned that from Yochanan ben Gudgida, who did that. And that's why the Gemara concludes that a person who treats their chulen food like the high level of sanctity of Kodesh food, it is Kodesh Damu, it is with sanctity. We'll stop right here. Pick up with Daf tomorrow. Wishing you all a beautiful night.